You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you been one of the very many people crying out for something that looks different than your average Marvel movie? Have you in fact wondered what it would look like if in another universe you had a ponytail? We're gonna talk about all that and more. This is Systematic Geekology, which means we are your priests to the geeks. My name is Joe. I am a broadcaster, podcaster, comics enthusiast. And man, I have been nerding out when I haven't been covering uh, C.S. Lewis related stuff. I've been going back and reading some of the old uh, Doctor Strange comics and some of the the Scarlet Witch at her best and Man Alive for a DC guy like me. I th- this this side of Marvel like give me this side of marvel all day every day like the the <laughs> mystical side of what they do is some of the finest character work and coolest storytelling that exists in in comics in in my opinion absolutely man that's all fun hey everyone i'm will and i can honestly say that i do not have a ponytail at the very moment at this very moment but there may be an alternate universe where i did not lose my hair and i have like either a mullet or long hair like metal guitar uh hair who who knows who knows what my hair looks like in, in an alternate universe but happy to talk about um this this kind of uh, uh, big chaotic mad and multi dimensional movie uh, that a lot of people have seen so far and and I'm I'm geeking all that too my my local com- I've shared this before my local comic book shop has an online Facebook live auction and um, I always check it out a couple nights a week just kind of see what they're putting up there to that you can bid on and buy they have comics the new comics for for the pull list for the week but they also have throwback and and older comics from the sixties and seventies. And, and I try to get little deals that if people aren't bidding on, on particular books with crazy covers, um, uh, that have thought bubbles and people talking on the cover and, and monsters, I'll, I'll try to scoop them up, uh, for a little bit under the price. And, and I've grabbed a couple of Dr. Strange books, knowing that the movie's coming up. And I'm like, I am going to grab a couple of Dr. Strange books from the seventies and sixties and to see what the tone was in preparation for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we should say right from jump street, obviously this is going to be spoiler talk at this point. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we're going to talk about it completely openly. So now's the point. If you have yet to watch the movie, um, click on one of another, one of our wonderful episodes or join us back after you have seen the movie, because we are getting into it. So before anything else, I have to say, especially because I was one of them, Dan and I talking about the Mar- the Marvel formula. I have not been shy about talking about the very formulaic approach. And let me tell you, it finally happened. I, w- I think one of the biggest reasons why um, 
Winter Soldier has remained the it it was at the top spot for me for quite a while as far mm. as Marvel films go is because it was a it was a superhero movie but also like a political thriller like there was there yeah. were it was a different we had a a subgenre of superhero movie and to me while still showing signs of being controlled by the mouse this is probably as close as you get to a horror superhero movie yeah. like this this was legit subverting every well i'm not gonna say every single trope because at the end you could see the wheels falling off but for most of this movie this was a sam raimi horror movie Mm-hmm. that happened to be a superhero flick. Yeah, one, 100%. There's a lot of madness. Um, and there were some multiverses, uh, but there's a lot of madness as well. Uh, uh, as well. And, and, and it kicked off right from the start, right? Like, you know, before we get into ratings and what we thought about the plot and plot holes, like it would just, this, this movie was just a roller coaster ride to the very end. And there was no even like, it's like you stop, you started at the roller coaster at the top and just dropped. There's no slow move to the top. Then you drop. It was like you're starting at the top and you're like, go. Is you ever been on the rock and roller coaster in um and in, in, in Disney? It, it goes from zero to sixty pretty fast. And this one doesn't. You just like boom, here you are. You're on a race. What's right. going on? Who's this character? What are we after? Oh, there's a book there. Oh, there's a monster. Oh, we're throwing back. And where are we? Um, so it was a little disorienting at first, and then I kind of settled in, and then just kept going uh, till the very to the very end. So for me, even just from from Jump Street, right, like you see the way that Sam Raimi makes movies, especially Mm -hmm. the way that he makes like horror flicks and things like that. You generally start off in crazy town and then go from there. And this to me this felt like the first time that they said to a director, make a movie and, yeah, and, you yeah. know, allow, allow for your fingerprints to be all over these, these movies. And some people would argue that the Russo brothers came first, but I would argue that nobody knew who the Russo brothers were before Avengers. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that, but this, I love how jarring, they made this because it wasn't so much exposition and, you know, family moments. And, and, you know, we see, we start off nice and slow and then progress into this climactic thing. Like, no, we, we started there and let off a little bit in the first like half hour or so after that first action set piece to set the, to set the table. But from the moment that, Doctor Strange jumps off the balcony, and I don't care what anybody says. That was Shumagorath. They can't use his name. I understand they can't use his name because he's a Conan property, but that yeah. was Shumagorath. Um, <laughs> from that point, it just it didn't let up until the end, which we'll get to the 
you know, when when the, the mouse ears started showing their <laughs> their place in this movie, um, you know, we, we didn't we didn't really let up from that. And that, I think, was such a refreshing change of pace for a Marvel flick. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, for me, it was a little disorienting because I'm not as familiar with Sam Raimi style, other from like, you know, his Spider-Man movies. I haven't watched a lot of his um, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. I'm familiar with their place in pop culture and and kind of the zeitgeist, but I haven't really sat and watched them all the way through, so didn't know kind of the tone. I know the main characters and the cameo that showed up in this movie as in relation to the others. I, I, I got all that, um, but I... I um, it was a little disorienting at first. I had to catch myself. Where are we doing? Where are we going on? And I felt like I was playing catch up the rest of the movie. It was refreshing. Once I kind of settled in, oh, this is what we're doing. Um, I let go of other things and just had fun with it and had super moments. Um, but but for me, it was a little disorienting and I didn't quite know what I was in for. And uh, I probably need to watch it again to see those things. Um, but um, yeah, it, and some parts was very refreshing. But for me, there was others like, wow, okay. By the time I got to the end, I was, I was worn out. Uh, by the time we got to, um, you know, Zombie Strange, I was like, are, what are we doing? What, we're still doing this? Where's, what's happening? So um, that's kind of where I was all for the entire movie and kind of my, my, right. my headspace, where I was my headspace. So as, as our, our wonderful community knows, there are two of us that, on, that are on the, the panel of hosts that are old school horror heads. I'm one of them. Brendan's the other one. And so to me, I think this is one of those movies that is enhanced by having seen mm -hmm. movies like Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell. Even I, I would go as far as to say the Spider-Man movies, too. You know, there are some there are some connection points there. But like this was very much a Sam Raimi horror movie first and foremost, before it was a Disney Marvel movie, at least until the end, which if if you haven't, if you couldn't tell by now, <laughs> you lose me with the believing yourself nonsense. You just yeah, you just yeah. do. That's not that's where that's where I'm not a fan of. But the the. It's funny because so much of this movie, you know, you and I were the ones that you know hyping this movie up and talking mm -hmm. about some of our some of our predictions and so on and so forth. And we got a version of one of the the biggest predictions that we, did. That we made. We nailed but it. I will say, in a lot of regards, this movie was not the movie that I walked into the movie mm -hmm. theater expecting to see in a, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I knew that it was supposed to be like marvel's first attempt at a horror movie and all of that kind of stuff and honestly no better character to do it with than dr strange oh, i yeah. know ben yeah, yeah. i know bandersnatch cumberbund has gets a really <laughs> bad rep sometimes but when you when you consider the source material and shout out to friend of the show ryan does he he has a, a wonderful show that that kind of goes into the the particulars of the character of the comic mm -hmm. history all of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but there's that is very much his his old the his his old comics are very much horror themed comics this is where you usually get things like creature features different things like that and so that scene with Shumagorath was such a 
such a, a a nod, I guess. And and to me, it was a it was a perfect marrying of nodding to the creature feature horror, you know, fighting against demons sort of history that you have with Doctor Strange, and marrying that with somebody that does ridiculous and bombastic and all of that kind of stuff so well in a horror world and and i'm i'm one of those those horror fans right there are so there there is a contingent of us that are sam raimi enthusiasts because of movies like evil dead because of movies like drag me to hell that they they are so subtly influential to cinema as a whole that you can see their fingerprints all throughout cinema, even outside of the horror movie th- uh, world. And so having that theme in the hands of such a capable director, I think that aspect of it, you know, yes, this movie is far from perfect and, and all of that kind of stuff, but it was first and foremost, a really good Sam Raimi movie. I can see how some of the people, how some people are saying it wasn't, you know, it it wasn't a good Marvel movie. It wasn't a good superhero movie. And, and yeah, yeah. Mistakes were made when you, when you bring it back to the comic book side of it, mistakes were made definitely. (laughs) But for being a Sam Raimi movie, I thought that of it, that part of it, I can't say enough gushing about it. Fun. um, Now I'm not, um, someone who hasn't watched a lot of Sam Raimi movies, I, I seen clips, but would you say you have to watch like evil dead first and army of darkness Is army of darkness, a sequel of evil dead. If I was going to watch one Sam Raimi film to kind of get his tone and his things uh, in light of Dr. Strange, which one would you say to go watch and, and to pay attention to? I would say evil dead is probably number one. Um, okay. There's aspects of, so, so it's evil dead, evil dead Two then uh army of darkness okay gotcha um and, and and there's a scene in the movie that is almost straight shot for shot a nod to a scene in evil dead 2 mm-hmm. um there's there's also the scene with uh bruce campbell that is very much a nod to right right our, I knew that. Uh, to fighting evil his dead hand one. and punching himself yeah. those things yeah 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 not yeah. be able to control and, his hand because it was possessed yeah um and i will say <laughs> I will say they even did he even did a wonderful job of simulating some of the shots that are done in the remake of Evil Dead which is a lot darker in tone than Sam Raimi's movie cuz Sam Raimi's movie is considered a horror comedy um right. it it is largely light light toned in in its in its execution um but if if you had to go with one, you know, obviously the the horror fan in me is like, no, watch all of them. But if you were going to go with one that really gives a solid idea of the type of storyteller that Sam Raimi is, watch Evil Dead because it gives you that idea of what he does with creatures and what he does with suspense and horror, but also comedy and things like that. Yeah. And go back to listen to our former episodes when talking about horror, you know, can people of faith and Christians watch horror and how does that look? What does that look like? And, you know, there are definitely like brands of 
religion and Christianity and faith, it'd be like, oh, there's definitely things you shouldn't ever watch because, you know, you're inviting in the demonic into your realm. Well, go back and be tutored uh, by by Joe and Brandon about how to digest that type of um, uh kind of genre and and how that's applicable and there's a lot of good resources out there uh, about that and and yeah as we mentioned before we we had an episode kind of leading up to this kind of a hype episode to talk about dr strange as a character and the comics and and what we were predicting for this movie his place in the mcu and so this kind of follow up to that and 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 so overall i thought the plot you know what was good um my you know, I, I just come out and say it right from the start. It's not my favorite Marvel movie. Like I up at the top for me is what they did with Infinity War and Endgame and that kind of climactic stick in the landing. Um, and then and then, as you said, yeah, the, um, the, the Winter Soldier is up there, too, because it wasn't like just the typical formula of origin story. You fight the big bad. Everybody lives, at, you know, great and transformed at the end. I like that storyline, too, is there's a reason you know, the hero's journey is a, is a reason that overplays over and over again. But, you know, in terms of, of that nuance of, of heroes and villains and political thriller, I, I love that. And and so, yeah, I guess for the Doctor Strange movie, I was expecting more tie in to the larger MCU. But this really is kind of a standalone. They nod their head to like Spider-Man and a couple other characters. And of course, pre, you 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 probably should have watched WandaVision before you saw this. Uh, they they. I'm curious, yeah. those who never saw WandaVision on Disney Plus, if they were able to follow along. I think they described enough along the way and had some scenes that got into a Wanda's story and then turned her into actually the Scarlet Witch, which now we know with the most powerful Avenger in the MCU, uh, can tear it apart and tear apart an Illuminati at the you know snap of her fingers. But um um, so, so you probably need to see some things before it, but, you know, as a whole, I guess I was kind of expecting to, to get more into the minutia of the multiverse and how that tie into the larger MCU and perhaps the Eternals and the Celestials and the larger universe, but it didn't go there. It, it was more like, let's have fun with the madness and the horror and go from there. And once I kind of relaxed those expectations, I started to enjoy the, a little bit, a little bit more, um, uh, but but you know even even the Loki show was uh, I love the Loki show on on Disney Plus and and I was curious why you know in a multiverse um, movie you wouldn't even have like even an allusion to like the time variant authority of like yeah there's a lot of things going on there's a marriage character America Chavez who like literally has powers to open up dimensions to multiverse if certainly she come up on somebody's radar who's watching uh, the multiverse and trying to keep the timelines um, thing. And not that they need to tie everything and the entire MCU together. There was a few extra things in there that would have helped me tie it together so I could follow who someone who's dedicated to following the big picture. I want a little bit more nod to that, a little bit more explanation, slow down with that plot. Um, and it wasn't there for me. So maybe that's why it didn't hit me as, as uh, one of my favorites as well. So, it's it's funny. I very much did not mind that and I know I've I've heard the I've heard the issues that people raise with it not showing more tie-in with things like Loki and the Time Variance Authority and all of that. I did not enjoy Loki. I thought it was middling at best. Um I'm not the biggest fan of Loki's character and I'm not the biggest fan of 
the just the whole presentation of the time variance authority and the way that ended in the whole nine yards like i'm just i i thought it was fine for it you know tom hiddleston being able to act and you know tell him to chew the scenery off the walls go for it fine i can see i can see why why it was enjoyable for people i just Meh. I thought it was a little too. I think it was trying to tell a lot of stories and no story all at the same time. Um, and, and so, to me, I didn't necessarily miss that. I thought that uh, honestly, I was. I'm kind of lo- low key hoping that they just basically forget about the fact that like don't you know move on from Loki and let this be more of an origin point for the multiverse. <laughs> Um, because while I did not like the America Chavez character, I I do think that at least that gives a little bit more substance to the origin point of the multiverse than what happened with the TVA. And I mean, short of Kang, I thought Kang was cool. I thought the introduction of Kang the Conqueror was Mm. cool, even though that wasn't, that wasn't Kang per se. That was a different version um uh, you know cool but outside of that meh, you know what i mean but to me um you know I, I i will say as far as the as far as the america chavez character i i understand that i would probably appreciate her character more if i had more of a foundation from the comics of who she was and all of that kind of stuff but ultimately right. she was MacGuffin personified number five like she was very much the plot device to move the move to move the the story forward and all of that kind of stuff the thing that Scarlet Witch has to be chasing you know the thing that that keeps Doctor Strange in the fight all of that kind of stuff she's very much the MacGuffin of the story and she is the if anybody in this movie is wearing the mouse ears it's her. She's got to be the, you know, I, I could, I will say with a, with a character like that, they could have gone way more heavy handed with some of the things that, that some of the points of her character that, that were there, they could have really gone heavy handed like mm-hmm. they have in the past with some of the other stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I think for me, this tells a more compelling story than something like an Endgame does or something like a Loki story does or something like that. Because, you know, I I was a 14-year-old boy once. It's cool to see all of the characters in the toy box, all the toys in the toy box, all banging against each other and all of that kind of stuff. I was was an eight-year-old kid too at one point in time. It's fine. But when everything is just set piece, set piece, set piece, you know, doing doing this and, and, you know, we, we are so focused on the next thing happening Mm -hmm. you don't really tell much of a story getting from thing one to thing two and i think that that's that's where previous mentions of the multiverse kind of fell off for me whereas this one was more yes there was set piece set piece but to me this told more of a story of we didn't know that this was a thing we didn't know that like this you know and kind of going there first and allowing for the very humanized trying to get your sea legs under you with all of this stuff going on sort of approach 
than something that fully explains the intricacies of the multiverse all, all in one go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely see that point for me. Like I mentioned before, like it was, um, a wild ride all the way through. And I, and I guess, you know, in terms of the, the other phases of the Marvel universe, Marvel cinematic universe had, had a build to the thing. And too many times we're like, I, I agree. The temptation is that we go to the movie just so we could watch it. So we could see the end credit scene. That's going to lead us to the next thing. What's going to be the end credit thing. What's going to be the end credit scene. Cause then it's going to lead to something even bigger. Let's go rather than just enjoying the story of the movie that's a, that's in front of you at the very moment. And that's a lesson to all of our lives in terms of chasing the next big thing rather than being in the moment. There's, there's, that's a virtue that we can live into. So, so maybe we can move into these movies where let's just go see the movie and have fun and not think about what the end credit scene is going to lead to the next big thing. Uh, is going to be. So I, I had to reshift kind of my expectations uh, with that. Um, but the movie itself um, was fun. But by the time I got to the end, I was so worn out. And maybe it was just a place, my headspace I was in at the time, but I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, are we doing this? By the time we got to Doctor Strange battling against like uh, 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 music notes coming to life as laser guns, you know, like that was so creative. That was so fun. By the time I got there, I was almost eye rolling like, oh my gosh. Are we are we still doing this? <laughs> and, and and I know that was on me, but by the time we got there, I was like, oh my gosh, another thing. What else can we do? But by itself, I going back at its own scenes and pieces, it's yeah, that's really creative. That's really neat. Who would have thought of that? That's so cool. That's so Doctor Strange. Uh, but for me, by the time I got to that point in the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, um, I'm I'm worn out. I don't know if I can do anymore. Um, but let's go back to our, our prediction. We were excited to see about what the Illuminati. You know what that meant because that was hinted in the trailer of like, oh, who could be a part of the Illuminati? And they did it. They they pulled back on that camera, and we got to see who was sitting in those chairs. And every single person on that panel, I was like, yes, I am excited. Um, and then when you get Doctor or you get Charles Xavier rolling in, Patrick Stewart, the OG Charles Xavier from the movies, I was like, yep, I cannot believe they did it. They made it happen. Oh my God. The fan casting of John, I can never pronounce this last night, Krasinski. Krasinski. Uh, Krasinski, you know, him as actually how they kept that a secret. And I, that was not a spoiler for me that he was able to be Reed Richards. Uh, Black Bolt, are you kidding me? Uh, uh, Agent Carter, as the form we saw from What If, and then Captain Marvel. I mean, man, I that whole part of the movie was just my absolute favorite. And then my own, you know, temptation was like, oh, cool. Now they're here. They're going to draw them into the larger cinematic universe and they're going to be a part of the mainline story for the next 10 years. But nope, Scarlet Witch takes them out pretty quickly. And as they died off one by one, I literally was grieving. No. So they did their job. I was like, no. Okay. There's other versions of them out there in the Marvel uh, multiverse. So that's cool. That they're, they're tipping their hat to it. But, but that whole Illuminati part was my favorite part of the movie. And I loved it because it just teased um, and, and set up the fanboy within me with, with these characters I really like and read about for so long. Yeah. So my my 90s kid is about to show when when they just you saw the yellow chair coming mm. in and there was just <laughs> this fate. Da -na 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 -na. Bro, I was oh, I was I was yep. in it. I was in there like swimwear. I was like, mm -hmm. this is yes, I'm I if I was the type of person that clapped at a movie, I would have started clapping 
right then and there, that was worth the price of admission. Well, I thought they were, there was clapping and cheering in my theater. It was pretty full, and there was clapping that whole scene. And at one point, I even when Charles Xavier came out with rolling out in the yellow chair, I even clapped and started going, "Oh my goodness!" Oh my, and my wife was like nudging me, like, "Shut up! You're embarrassing." I was like, "No." <laughs> You don't understand where this goes. My original fanboy was like a kid who collected X-Men comics. Like that's what yeah. got me into all this. So that was a pretty spectacular entrance and and a fanboy moment for me. And so it was funny that my family was like, dude, chill out. And I was like, no, do not tell nope. me to chill out. This is happening. And I'm allowed to be excited right now at this point. Right. And I thought, okay, so by, by virtue of the story that Marvel themselves has told, I don't necessarily have a problem with the systematic dismantling of <laughs> the Illuminati because yeah, yeah, yeah. by virtue of what they've said, other versions exist and mm -hmm. they will look the same. Now, granted, you could, you know, find yourself in hot water, you know what I mean? And, you know, you might need to find a, a younger, you know, right into the story that you found a younger version of Professor Xavier, which no shade to James McAvoy, <coughs> but I am not the type of person, I don't need to see a young Xavier. Xavier is not young for me. Xavier mm -hmm, is the mm -hmm. old wise sage in the chair, not out in the field, not active in the goings on, but right. more of like off from center. That's where you give the platform to characters like Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey, Wolverine. And I know we've all we've had Wolverine, but I I would I would love for a more comic book accurate Wolverine out of the oh, next going coming. on. From it's coming. I, it's yeah. got to be. It's got to be. They're, they're and, thinking and about so, that right now. You know, uh, so so to me, I thought that was so expertly done, and I would love to see a full-on Patrick Stewart-led uh, X-Men series. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need to tie it in. We can all we all know that Fox was a thing. We all know that the Fox X-Men movies were a thing. That doesn't mean you could say you could have a simple throwaway line that has, you know, you're exploring somebody's exploring the multiverse and and that he happens to come across one of his other versions of himself. That's the Fox one. Done. We've 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 then incorporated in as much as we need to of the Fox world. I'm not saying that I need all of that baggage to come along with him, right. but uh, honestly, it's kind of like John Krasinski in that in that regard. Like you you envision this version of the character, and when you envision this version of the character, sometimes in in other situations, an alternative take on the character ends up being the best one. You know, I I I love yeah, what they yeah. did with Samuel L. Jackson. I love what he has done with Nick Fury and all of that kind of stuff. And he's not the stereotypical Nick Fury, you know, presentation. Those two, though, come on, like it, it's literally the comic book character brought to life at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. James McAvoy did a perfectly fine job as young young Xavier, but like the moment where he touched his head and you see the, the very mm -hmm. much the scene out of X-Men, the animated series. Like I, I, yes, that was, that was the best for me, the best translation of a, an animated property brought into a live action presentation of that same thing. 
I think in superhero, co- I, I don't, I struggle to find a better adaptation of something that was a direct one for one. Yeah. Patrick Stewart's getting up there in age. So I don't know how much time he has left, you know, in terms of doing the Star Trek and doing the X-Men, but to get him into this uh, was, was, and to keep that a secret, or at least I kept out of the know or did, didn't do much digging to find out. And, and I'm happy that was a surprise for me. It's too much. I mean, I, I even wish that they hadn't, I hadn't seen the trailer that said, you know, we are the Illuminati because then that made me think about it. But that was, that was a good, good teaser for that. Um, I do like how they set up. You're right. Like that, I grieved because I didn't want to see them die because I wanted them to stick around. But as you said, there's multiverse, there's versions of them out there that they can play around with. Um, but in terms of the tool it was used for in the movie to show how powerful the Scarlet Witch is, um, was, was pretty awesome. Like her just taking them down one by one and chasing them, uh, down dark tunnels, um, was, was for me the best part of the movie that I, that I loved. Oh, yeah. There was a sense of urgency. I, I never thought that, you know, Dr. Strange was going to lose or America Chavez wasn't going to, uh, find herself in, in, in the end and, and, and restore things to, to where they needed to be. But, but I, um, that it was the tense moments that made me feel that in the chair. And that, that was good. Yep. It was good. Yeah. I thought, I thought this is probably the apex of the horror presentation of the Scarlet Witch. And one of the biggest things that I said going into this movie is I hope that they finally give just due to the character of Scarlet Witch because she was so undersold if if she she should have been able to dismantle Thanos by herself that was the fact that mm. they needed that that needed to be captain marvel and all of that kind of stuff i thought so took me out of that moment because as you know as an avid uh, comic book reader, especially for the Marvel side, and this goes into one of my complaints as far as the uh, the Illuminati go, it is proven that it doesn't matter if it's Brie Larson or somebody else. I don't care about the Captain Marvel character. She has <laughs> no place among the pantheon of the heavy hitters in the Marvel universe, and they have so overblown her abilities in comparison to the comics that it's ridiculous. The fact yeah, right. that she stood in that fight for as long as she did, and you had much heavier hitters get just decimated. And, and then she's like putting up a little bit of a fight there for a minute, and then she gets crushed by a statue. I guess a lame ending for a lame character. Like that, <laughs> it, it's, right. it's pointless. And I don't even care. Like, it's not like, again, this is, this goes beyond. I know, I know uh, one of those controversial things is Brie Larson and this and that and all of the nonsense centering around her. But to me, this was just such a random choice to thrust in a female character when you had so many other women that you are telling good, rich stories for that you can have that representation without just ham-fisting a character in there just for the sake of ham-fisting a character in there. Because, I mean, maybe you could make the argument when she was binary the back in the, what was that, the 80s or the 90s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that maybe then you could make an illustration that she's, you know, to, to that sort of power and all of that kind of stuff. But just flat out Captain Marvel, it fell directly on its face when they tried to make her significant in the comics, too, in Civil War, too. That 
that story was a dumpster fire. Mm. Yeah, and I guess going back to the movie itself, like Scarlet Witch being so such a such a badass and and like taking these people down, and then um, yeah, her end her, her ending. You alluded to the fact the ending, just you know, they did wrap it up. They they had their their moments. We had to wrap this up and have some resolution here and there. But for her to be taken out just because of a you know, a, a pillar falls on top of her, you know, was one of those things. Oh, so that's what's going to happen. There's the element of self-sacrifice, that kind of thing. But, but you know, it was, it was borderline suicidal like in the midst of that. And then we know there's other versions of her out there, even like the version of her with her kids that, that feel fulfill, fulfilled is out there. But um, anyway, yeah, the ending itself. Any more you want to talk about in terms of the ending that just landed kind of flat for you uh, within Doctor Strange? Yeah, so the the mo- the movie starts to to take a left turn at Albuquerque when Doctor Strange inhabits the body of Zombie Strange. And mm. the second that he's like, who says they have to be alive? I'm like, I forgot about <laughs> the fact that they buried the other Strange. Yeah, I knew when they buried that, yeah, I should have seen it coming. Yeah. We all should have seen it coming, but I didn't. I was I was surprised. Uh, that they were going to do that. And th- at that point, I w- again, I was like, oh gosh, here we go again. More. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. She, he, might, he might as well have put the Disney hat on right right at that moment. And then from there, we go to just believe in yourself, the powers within you. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Like that, that is, is just such a tired trope that i'm like and and i get it there are some there are some of our our colleagues in the christian nerd world that have that i've been talking to that make very good points that it's my fault for expecting anything else out of disney than to be disney i get it i i i still expressing my opinion though of of what i thought that was presented it just when you have this this character that so embodies like th- this reality warping ability that is only held by the upper echelon that's only held by a by a certain select number of a uh, number of people within the marvel universe which they backdoored gave the gave the opportunity for the pinnacle of that type of character but we'll get there to have to, to to have this character embody all of that power and then be like, ah, I'm taken down by a 14-year-old that suddenly can automatically control her powers exactly as she <laughs> needs to, exactly to a T, and then self-sacrifice, like, no, like that's I don't understand why Marvel went back to the whole tired trope of we have to have the enemy die. We have to have the bad guy die. Why? That's no, like that to me, that goes beyond the mousification of it all to just bad storytelling. Like that, that to me just so takes you out of the moment that eh, it kind of, everything else was so good that it kind of, in ways made up for it, but that just kind of falls flat to me. Yeah, I, I hear, and, I, and I, I, I've heard elsewhere too. I'm not, I don't know the in and outs of it, but like Sam Raimi, supposedly his style he tells a good story, but it's hard for him to to 
finish a movie on a, you know, or, or the endings always kind of fall flat or there's a, that kind of a style that you go, 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 go. And then you're just like, Oh, let's wrap this up. And that kind of thing. And, and I relate, you know, there are times when I even write a sermon and I'm like, I'm, I can get that plane in the air and I can cruise and I can talk some big theological jargon. And then I'm like, how am I going to land this thing? And, yep. uh, and, and it becomes pretty abrupt, you know, go and peace serve the Lord. And you're like, Oh man, that, okay. That ended fast. Um, that kind of thing. But, um, so I definitely understand the, the, the skill it takes to really put a nice ending and resolution to a story. But, but as you said, there's, there, there's going to keep making um, these movies. They're going to keep doing it. Why do you have to tie it up or do these things? Um, maybe they don't know they're, if they're going to get another shot, but I think by now, you know, there are going to be others and ways you can tie it in loose ends to other areas. So, um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So the one thing that I, I absolutely want to take a second to talk about is the fact that as Reed Richards is sitting there monologuing, which was fine. I, I I thought it was a little, I thought it was cool what they like from visually speaking, what they did to Reed Richards. It was a little, I could, I could see how it has its pitfalls for some people, but in the moment he mentions his two kids, Valeria Richards and Franklin Richards. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. That if they if they introduce Franklin Richards and allow for that side of the yeah, storytelling, yeah. you've point. gotten a whole new lease on life <laughs> for the MCU. Like that to me, just let it let it go buck wild. Like allow for mm. the craziness that happened centered around these couple of characters that you're introducing to take place. And you've got another 20 years worth of storytelling that yeah. goes beyond just the grounded. Don't get me wrong. The, the grounded nature of it had its time in the sun that told a very compelling story. But if you want to keep telling stories, then you need to allow for the bigger concepts to have room to move and to breathe and all of that kind of stuff. And for me, Franklin Richards, allowing for that, oh, dude, he's okay. been at the, uh, the center of some of the coolest storylines in Marvel history. And I think that that, so that that can get really special. And and you're alluding to a special story that's onslaught, right? And, and that is is onslaught one of the or like um, the storyline of kind of an alternate reality that there or heroes reborn. He um, there's and there, there's an X Men tie over to that, an Xavier tie into that uh, with with the Fantastic Four and with the Avengers. And so yeah, uh, that was kind of the gap of my comic book reading that kind of era kind of mid to late nineties before we get to the two thousands. But uh, since then I've read and, and, and heard about it and, and yeah, you could create some, some pretty cool stuff with the Richards family along with uh, other Illuminati members who have families and teams of their own uh, to tie that in. So that, yeah, I think you're right. That's, that's good stuff. Good, good stuff that they can lean into. If you're looking for another big body, another big story, another tie in to tie in all this stuff in another phase uh, that would be a good direction to go into. Yeah, I I don't think Ancelot has enough to to be like a tentpole big bad, but I definitely think that that could be a cool tie in with the X Men and all of that kind of stuff. To mm -hmm. me, what I think of 
is there's this scene out of comics where old uh, older Franklin Richards goes back in time. Well, Franklin and Valeria both come back in time because the mad celestial is attacking and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and there's this scene where they're talking about Galactus and they say that Galactus has had many heralds. Franklin Richards has only had one. And there's this scene of Franklin Richards, to me, my Galactus, and he raises Galactus up from the dead to become his herald. <laughs> that, that's good. Oh, that's fun that's such, such a cool picture to be brought to life that just begs to be brought to life on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So... I would say all in all, I would give this movie a strong 8.5. I, I, you know, okay. at first, when I first came out of the theater, I was like nine, like this movie is great. And when the, when the, the, everything outside of the Sam Raimi-ness of it all set in, and then I saw what, you know, what, what, like I, I really thought about what they did with Scarlet Witch's character and all of that kind of stuff, you know, I, yeah, it definitely brought it down for me. I think I also want to watch it another time and, mm -hmm. and you know, get get a chance to see all of that again. But I think all in all, really good popcorn flick. That scene where Scarlet Witch snaps uh, uh, Professor Xavier's neck like that and just pops <laughs> up behind him was so Sam Raimi. And then her coming, her coming out of the debris with the blood on her face and all of that, just that that scene in and of itself especially for somebody who i grew up with in the 90s comics i grew up where these the x-men were the were the cool kids on the block and and so mm -hmm. much was happening centered around those characters and and to for for some reason the 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 house of m and the no more mutants and all of that really resonated yeah. with me as yeah. a comic fan to displaying this wide scale power that to see her character given the just desserts that she deserves. And finally, a, a woman role fully realized in an appropriate way to give power that wasn't ham-fisted, to give gravitas, that to me was just chef's kiss. So, so for me, definitely a strong eight. There you go. Uh, coming out of it, I gave it a seven. But then as I thought about how much I love the Illuminati, it went up to an eight. And then when I thought about how Scarlet Witch didn't say uh, 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 we need mutants or no more mutants or, or, or zap the mutant universe into the MCU, I brought it back down to a 7.75. So, so that's kind of where I am. That's where I am. Nice. <laughs> nice. You know, and I feel like, and and as as we as we bring this thing in for a landing, I, I feel like there's a whole other conversation to be had about the continued conversation of grief and loss and mm -hmm. all of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that we mm -hmm. could just make an entire episode in and of itself on. Yeah, and I think if you if you've seen Doctor Strange and you haven't seen WandaVision. Um, hopefully you all have, but I think one vision is just a masterclass and, and how you wrestle with grief. And it, again, yeah. it happened that it came out over COVID and a sense of I'm watching a congregation grieve on so many levels and, uh, and to be able to translate and communicate that and pastorally 
help my congregation through grief while this was being captured in the geek verse of WandaVision that just held hand in hand so so tightly and so well done. So glad she was brought back. I, there's moments where, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more conversation to be had with like kind of their relationship between the two, but I think grief is a big part of it. And um, and and when done well, can be very helpful to, to a lot of people. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Will, what recommendations do you have for our lovely listeners? Well, going with a the horror theme, I don't really, um, you know, I, I watch, I, I don't mind horror. I'm not a huge fan. And I don't like take a lot of my geek diet out of that because there's just too much stuff in the world. But someone recommended a book to me called The Troop by uh, Nick Cutter. And um, I, I, it takes me a long time to get through books. That's why I read uh, comics and graphic novels. But, but man, this is kind of like a Stephen King-esque kind of horror feel to it. And I'm about 100 pages in and he's got me hooked and his writing's awesome. And so uh, I'm trying to stay away from like synopsis or or Googling whether this has become a movie or a TV or if even it is yet, uh, because I don't want to get any spoilers. So once I finish the book, I'll see where they're going to go with it. But Nick Cutter, I think it's a pen name. I think he has a, uh, another name out there somewhere, a Canadian writer called The Troop. And, and I'm enjoying this novel. Um, and I'm even like, man, I can't believe it. There's comics staring at me that need to be read, but I'm drawn to this novel. And so I keep reading the novel at night before cool. I go to bed. Yep. That's cool. Um, I would suggest what we talked about earlier. Go back and watch some of Sam Raimi's stuff. And I think you'll get a a, a greater appreciation at least at a cinematic level of what's going on in this movie, you know, evil dead, evil dead Two, army of darkness, um, the Spider-Man movies, so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I think you're in for a real treat. Um, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, we are. I'm on, um, social media. I am on the website. Uh, you can, um, you know, if you DM me on one of the social medias and you want to get a text thread going, I'll even give you my cell number and we can text uh, um, thoughts and ideas and questions too. But but yeah, I'm out there. You can find me. Um, come on, come on, enter the conversation that we have online and in our kind of um, group group threads because it's a lot of fun and want you to be a part of this conversation and get under this umbrella tent of geekdom with us. Cool. Um, you can find me along with the other hosts at the host section of systematicgeekology.org. Um, you can also find me live on the air six out of the seven days a week at either Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road. That's a wrap for now. This has been Systematic Geekology. We are your priests to the geeks. And remember that we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.